Welcome to Upon Reflection, a podcast about reasoning, well-being, and technology. I'm Nick Bird. I study the philosophy of cognitive science, but also the cognitive science of philosophy. In this podcast, I'm going to read my short paper with Morgan Thompson in Wires Cognitive Science titled Testing for Implicit Bias, Values, Psychometrics, and Science Communication. You may have heard about implicit bias. It's measured by indirect rather than direct measures of bias. We reconstruct arguments about debates about these measures, reveal some instances of talking past one another, highlight how the debate has changed, and highlight how the debate is laden with value judgments about psychometrics and science communication. As always, free preprints of my papers are available on my CV at birdnick.com forward slash CV under publications. This podcast is sponsored by Homer. Homer is a learning program for kids delivered through devices like tablets. It covers reading, math, creativity, critical thinking, and even social-emotional learning. Try a free trial or just learn more at the link in the podcast description. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You can follow on Twitter at bird underscore Nick or on Facebook at birdnick. Or find me on the other platforms. Comments and questions can be submitted at birdnick.com forward slash contact. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast, you can tell people about it or review it, or both. Thanks. Testing for Implicit Bias, Values, Psychometrics, and Science Communication by Nick Bird and Morgan Thompson. Our understanding of implicit bias and how to measure it has yet to be settled. Various debates between cognitive scientists are unresolved. Moreover, the public's understanding of implicit bias tests continues to lag behind cognitive scientists. These discrepancies pose potential problems. After all, a great deal of implicit bias research has been publicly funded. Further, implicit bias tests continue to feature in discourse about public and private sector policies surrounding discrimination, inequality, and even the purpose of science. We aim to do our part by reconstructing some of the recent arguments in ordinary language and then revealing some of the operative norms or values that are often hidden beneath the surface of these arguments. This may help the public learn more about the science of implicit bias, and it may also help lay people and scientists reflect on the values, interests, and stakeholders involved in establishing, justifying, and communicating scientific research. Highlights Our evaluations of measurement depend on both expectations about the target constructs and value-laden ideas about relevance, meaning, significance, psychometric standards, and science communication. We reconstruct a series of arguments about the psychometric validity of measures like the affect misattribution procedure, evaluative priming task, and implicit association test. We also make the debate's competing values more explicit to afford cognitive scientists the opportunity to reflect on whether any of these values should guide scientific decisions. Introduction. Myths about indirect measures like the implicit association test continue to abound. Scholars in the field cringe whenever we experience another mandated training suggesting that implicit bias is entirely unconscious, a stable trait in each of us that we can measure with a test on Project Implicit's website, or the primary cause of prejudice in the workplace. However, it's difficult to blame the non-experts who are trying to relay highlights from a massive literature. Some of scholars' most accessible quotes about indirect measures jump to conclusions that do not exactly follow from the evidence. 
At another level of discourse, however, scholars debate about indirect measures that sparked the implicit bias literature. These debates are aware of the well-known myths about indirect measures. They often list them as they situate their position in the debate. Nonetheless, some scholarly debates about indirect measures remain unresolved. In a recent exchange, one party starts by saying that indirect measures, quote, assess behavior, end quote. But a response reframes the debate to be about, quote, measurement of attitudes, end quote. In principle, the difference between these frames could lead to different expectations of indirect measures and, therefore, different evaluations of how well indirect measures meet our expectations. In what remains, we will elaborate on how these mismatches can result in debaters talking past one another, consider some of the justifications for the two views that exist so far, and how values play a role in these justifications. If successful, this could improve not just debates about implicit bias, but debates about psychometrics and science communication as well. Stable versus variable constructs. Consider the kinds of information that a doctor may collect during regular checkups. After confirming our identity, a nurse measures our height, weight, blood pressure, etc. They may also draw some blood to run routine tests. We're not necessarily surprised if our blood pressure changes significantly between health examinations. When it's significantly higher than our last visit, we're probably not suspicious of our doctor's blood pressure measurement instrument. Rather, we recognize that blood pressure varies within a relatively wide but expected range in response to many factors. For example, new responsibilities at work and home can disrupt our exercise and diet regimen in ways that increase our blood pressure. Of course, we are surprised if our blood type changes between doctor visits. Unlike our blood pressure, which is predictably lower while we're sitting in a doctor's office than when we're, say, exercising, our blood type, except in very rare circumstances, is the same across situations. This illustrates how assumptions about a measured construct determine how we evaluate its measurement. If we assume that something is stable across time and context, then unreliable measurement of it across time and context is an anomaly. If we assume that something varies systematically across time and context, then unreliable measurement of it, of it across time and context is to be expected. Implicit bias. Stable or variable? The stable-variable distinction also applies to psychological constructs like implicit bias. Do we expect implicit bias to be more like blood pressure or more like blood type? Our answer to this question has a significant impact on how we think about the legitimacy of indirect measures that have been said to measure implicit bias. After all, there's plenty of evidence that performance on indirect measures of bias can vary between tests and contexts, resulting in a relatively low test-retest reliability for one and the same person. Those who expect implicit bias to vary between contexts, like blood pressure, are not necessarily concerned about this unreliability. However, those who expect implicit bias to be stable across contexts, like blood type, take unreliability to indicate a problem with tests of implicit bias. The upshot is not that analogies with measuring blood pressure and blood type will resolve this debate. As one party to the debate rightly points out, quote, whether low reliability is an issue depends on what use a measure is put to. If the point is to measure large deviations from a baseline of repeated measurements, low reliability may not be a serious issue. The situation is different when the point is to measure individual differences so as to predict or explain behavior, end quote. So the upshot is that psychometric debates may turn on our assumptions about the purpose or goal of our research. 
Do tests of implicit bias measure behavior or trait-like mental constructs? When a debate is predicated on different assumptions, then we need to step back and evaluate those assumptions. Otherwise, each side of the debate will probably talk past the other. So consider the reasons that have been offered for each set of assumptions about implicit bias tests. An illegitimacy argument. Edouard Machery's, quote, historical preamble, end quote, masterfully reviews the concept of attitude in scientific psychology from the 20th and 21st century, and then points out that tests of implicit bias, quote, are often presented as measuring individuals' attitudes, end quote. Machery proceeds to argue that tests of implicit bias lack many of the psychometric properties that we would expect from measurements of psychological traits like attitudes, discriminant validity, reliability, predictive validity, and more. Those who accept the premise that indirect measures should be evaluated according to the psychometric standards for trait-like mental constructs, such as attitudes, will probably be impressed by the evidence that Machery marshals in his argument that, quote, use of indirect measures is deeply problematic, end quote. A simplified version of the illegitimacy argument can be constructed as follows. Premise 1. Legitimate measures of attitudes exhibit certain psychometric properties. Premise 2. Indirect measures of bias do not exhibit those properties. Conclusion. Indirect measures of bias are illegitimate. A reclassification argument. A careful reader may have noticed that the conclusion of the illegitimacy argument is not guaranteed by the premises. After all, the first proposition is about measures of attitudes, but the remaining propositions are about bias. So while the premises may provide inductive support for the conclusion, another conclusion may also be available. Indirect measures of bias are not legitimate measures of attitudes. This alternative conclusion transforms the illegitimacy argument into a sort of reclassification argument. The reclassification argument admits that indirect measures may not legitimately measure the, quote, individual differences in implicit attitudes, end quote, that they were thought to measure. However, it raises the possibility that indirect measures can be legitimate if their goal is to measure another class of psychological constructs. The reclassification argument may be similar to the response from Garonsky and colleagues, They emphasize that their original stance was that tests of implicit bias measure behavior rather than, quote, trait-like constructs that are highly stable over time, end quote. This stance aligns with other discussions about measuring and manipulating, quote, implicitly biased behavior, end quote. Responses on implicit bias measures are behaviors, and those behaviors should not be equated with their underlying mental constructs. This allows Goronsky and colleagues to accommodate many of Machery's claims without accepting the illegitimacy argument's conclusion. An instrumental shift. Responding to Goronsky and colleagues, Machery acknowledges the possibility that indirect measures track, quote, context-bound individual differences, end quote, but also registers uncertainty about the utility of such measures. How are indirect measures useful for research? The answer is a common refrain in philosopher's discourse, Quote, it isn't fully clear, end quote. This move shifts the debate from one about psychometric legitimacy and construct classification to questions about significance. Here, the sense of scientific significance is in terms of what epistemic and social benefits result from the research. Quote, what important discovery about human behavior has been made thanks to indirect measures, end quote. Important discoveries may be those that answer explanatory questions from the scientific community and or the public 
identify predictors of socially relevant behaviors or aid the adoption of some effective intervention or policy. Your response to this instrumental shift may depend on which side of the debate you prefer. If you find yourself unsatisfied with indirect measures, you may be pleased to shift the burden back onto the friends of indirect measures. However, if you're largely satisfied with indirect measures, you may be thinking that it's not the burden that was shifted, but the goalposts. Values and Justification in Psychometric Debates This debate about indirect measures of bias also reveals how psychometric debates can be value-laden. Our evaluation of psychological measures depends in large part on what we want from them. We seem to want measures to deliver certain psychometric properties. Further, even if a measure fulfills what we want, we may nonetheless step back and reflect on whether we should care about those things. So, while psychometrics are, is largely an empirical enterprise in which data drive decisions about the validation of measures, data cannot determine the standards of validation such as what we ought to want from our measures or what ought to count as an important contribution to research. So debates can remain unresolved even after background assumptions have been identified. We can agree about the evidence without agreeing about its relevance, meaning, or significance. Relevance. Feminist philosophers of science have long pointed out that there are often disagreements about the relevance of evidence for particular scientific claims. In the case of implicit bias, the disagreement plays out in judgments about which evidence from different indirect measures are relevant to claims about implicit attitudes. Both sides agree that different indirect measures provide evidence about something in our psychology. However, there's disagreement about whether specific evidence is relevant to claims about implicit bias. Mashari notes that evidence produced by the affect misattribution procedure is unlikely relevant to claims about implicit attitudes. Garonsky and colleagues do take evidence about the internal consistency of that test to be relevant to claims about the psychometric qualities of indirect measures of implicit bias. Both views recognize the importance of employing multiple methods to examine the same phenomenon, outcome, or result, but they come to different conclusions about the extent to which different methods produce evidence that is relevant to claims about implicit attitudes or biases. Some psychologists and philosophers use triangulation arguments for implicit attitudes, in which claims about the existence of a phenomenon are better confirmed by evidence from different methods than a single method alone. This argument is used to transcend debates about the nature of implicit attitudes. Thompson has raised these issues concerning triangulation arguments using evidence from the implicit association test and evaluative priming task, which are taken to be more related to measurement of implicit attitudes and biases than the affect misattribution procedure. She argued that triangulation is not necessarily successful in confirming the existence of a single construct, and instead, researchers should use different methods to develop their understanding of a construct. Meaning. Another point of agreement is the lack of settled answer to the nature of implicit bias. Yet, there are different interpretations about the extent to which we should expect to have a well-established consensus on the appropriate characterization of the construct. Over 30 years, many proposed features have been ruled out or challenged, such as the claim that implicit attitudes are unconscious or that they're associative. The positive account remains unclear. Some view this underdevelopment of psychological constructs as part of a normal trajectory of research in psychology and take the elimination of previous characterizations as a positive development in the field. Others interpret underdevelopment of psychological constructs as a serious problem when construct validity has not yet been established. 
significance. Concerning the significance of evidence, both sides acknowledged evidence suggesting that indirect measures can measure population-level phenomena. For example, Payne and Hene argue that indirect measures track the, quote, systemic, end quote, prejudices that can emerge as people are exposed to disproportionately positive or negative representation of people groups. Garansky and colleagues refer to this capacity of indirect measures as, quote, extremely important, end quote. Whereas Machery merely admits the possibility that indirect measures have this capacity to measure aggregate-level phenomena, and then asks why it's, quote, useful for research purposes, end quote. Acknowledging such value mismatches, however, is just the first step. The next step would be to reconstruct the arguments for each set of values, if reasons have been given. If not, then we may need to construct novel arguments about which values ought to drive psychometric decisions, conventions, and debates. This can reveal hitherto unappreciated stakes, such as the role of values in validation standards and revealing overlooked risks in public communication. Standards. Take one example that arises in Mashri's arguments that indirect measures lack many of the psychometric properties associated with good measures. He argues that the validity of indirect measures is still unclear. In particular, Mashri focuses on discriminant validity, or the extent to which measures that are theorized to measure distinct constructs do in fact measure distinct constructs. Discriminant validity is often assessed based on correlation coefficients of the scores of these measures. In this argument, Mashri describes Schimmick's reanalysis of existing data as indicating the scores of direct and indirect measures are highly correlated, thus, quote, providing no evidence for the reality of the two distinct constructs, end quote. To make this judgment, Schimmick and, by extension, Mashri are relying on an assessment that high correlation on scores from direct and indirect measures is sufficiently high that discriminant validity among the measures is low. We do not wish to claim that this judgment is unjustified, but rather we aim to point out that values are involved in setting the psychometric standards for what sort of evidence is sufficient for the judgment that some measure has or does not have discriminant validity. This point should stand even if construct validity is thought to be graded rather than categorical. There is a need for more explicit discussion about which standards for discriminant validity or convergent validity ought to be in practice in implicit bias research science communication. Further, there are risks of ignoring these different valuations concerning the public's understanding of research. We agree with Mashari, who raises serious concerns about the mismatch between the understanding of the research's goal that have taken hold in the public ideas about implicit bias and the one advocated by Goronsky and colleagues, namely to provide population-level explanations of behavior. Here is yet another place where values play a role. To the extent that the public takes psychology to be answering questions concerning general, context-independent explanations and predictions of individual behavior, many psychologists have changed the subject in their research to a different construct that fulfills a different goal. Such changes in topic may be warranted, but they require better public justification and communication that can't be, quote, clearly distinguished, end quote, from scientific research. The overlooked risk here is not just that the public might misunderstand the inferences that some psychologists make based on the research, but rather that the research may be disconnected from the problems that the public expects it to address. On the AIMS approach to values, appeals to values in science are legitimate when they serve the democratic aims of research. This departure from the public's understanding of the aims of implicit attitude research requires not only better science communication about the shift, but public endorsement of it. 
it may also require answering Mashari's request to specify the significance of such findings for research purposes and, in our opinion, for social and policy purposes, too. Conclusion Sometimes it takes a psychometric dispute like this debate about indirect measures to identify the values and assumptions that may drive our psychometric conventions. There are formal justifications for many of the relevant psychometric standards and best practices. However, sometimes researchers begin to question whether a convention meets our needs, which provides an opportunity to reflect on whether and how to formally justify our conventions. These kinds of reappraisals can lead to better justification of a research program's standards, goals, and societal impacts. The current debate seems to have launched this kind of reflection. Perhaps we should capitalize on this opportunity to familiarize ourselves with concerns about measurement, and measurement of implicit bias in particular. If nothing else, it may serve as a reminder of what we can and cannot infer from implicit bias experiments. However, it may do more. It may reshape the conventions that drive our investigations of phenomena like implicit bias. It may also open space to consider when it is appropriate for a research program to deviate from its public representation and how researchers can better justify these changes in light of social and policy problems. This podcast is sponsored by Homer. Homer is a learning program for kids delivered through devices like tablets. It covers reading, math, creativity, critical thinking, and even socio-emotional learning. Try a free trial or just learn more at the link in the podcast description. Music for the Upon Reflection podcast is produced by me on GarageBand. All of my music is shareable under a Creative Commons license. You can find more of my music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash birdnick. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You can also find out more about me and my research at my website, birdnick.com, on Twitter at bird underscore nick, or on Facebook at birdnick, one word. If you have suggestions or questions for the podcast, you can submit them at birdnick.com forward slash contact. And of course, if you end up enjoying the Upon Reflection podcast, then feel free to tell people about it online, in person, or in your review. Thanks.